0: All the best, and thank you so much as uh, Miss Dreamer had planned to uh, take care of the food and things downstairs, and then she got the flu, and so we delegated to, uh, me and my wife was of what we could do, so we got Linda, and when Linda rallied the troops, and, and so thank you so much for coming to the rescue and helping us, it was a good success, and uh, thank you so much, I'm very impressed by that, very encouraged by it as your pastor, how you came together pulled it off. All right. So uh, right, Brother Ralph, we pulled it off. (laughs) So uh, anyway, I want to pray for Chris and Carrie as they continue to follow the Lord and making the next steps. And I I like to see that. I like to see movement, people taking action upon what they've heard, what they've heard preached, and doing doing the right thing and moving forward. And so we wish them all the best. We was able to take up $299. We didn't know the dollar to make an even number. My OCD's kicking in. $2.99, $2.99, and then we had a couple cards, I'm sure had some uh, Benjamin Franklin's or something in there, some dead presidents, sorry. So we wish them all the best, and uh, the service uh, went well, and that type of thing. So we're thankful for it. Thanks so much for all you've done. And then we we'll to pray for many in our church are sick and shut in. If you don't see anybody uh, in the services, be sure to check in on them. I mean, we'll try to check in on them too, but it's good to hear from everybody. All right, tomorrow. Tomorrow, March 2nd, 11 a.m., we'll have as many uh, deacons and trustees to meet here with the contractor. 11. Shouldn't, shouldn't take long. I just want, I could be here myself and be with him, but I'd like others to be involved so we're all on the same page. And that way, if, if I'm not able to be here, something, else, we all know what we need to do to coordinate this gym project. And everything's lined up for it, and get it accomplished by the end of the month. And so we'll be touching base on that. Just Something to keep in the back of your mind. One of the things I get with him tomorrow is it might be one, it may, may, may be one means night service. We can't have service because of that project. But we'll, we'll see about that tomorrow. I'll keep you informed on it because that's one of the questions that I have about you know taking out heat pumps and so forth and, and having time to put them back. Because if you take a heat pump out, guess what? Brother no heat. <laughs> you know, in a certain section of the church, anyway. So we'll coordinate all of that. That's the reason we want to get together with him and get this, get this accomplished. Okay, remember our Wednesday night services and their kids to Christ, and then coming up here, getting ready to switch the time back by the time you get used to one time, they switch it on you. So that's coming up. We're going to spring forward and uh, lose an hour. All right, spring it clock forward. All right, and then, so remember about that, coming up uh, Sunday, March the 8th, and then next Sunday night, next Sunday night, we to have Little John Shelley. He's gonna come preach for us. So we'll let people know about that. And we're looking forward to having him in the service. Uh, you're probably wondering, is he old enough to preach? Sure he is. And he finished college. I mean, wow! I mean, time goes by quick. So I want to give him an opportunity because pastors and preachers were so gracious to me to give me opportunities and invest. And these young preachers. So let's pray for him coming up. And looking forward to it. All right. Then Tuesday, March the 17th, we got Brother uh, Clark. who's going to be our speaker for the prayer breakfast. And so we're looking forward to this. We're going to be starting getting in the spring here. The March 19th this month, and then we're going to have a couple Sundays. Which should be that uh, 19th. Which should be that week. The Sunday and then for about two Sundays. I'm going to focus in on. The faith promise as we revolve. So I want you to kind of get get your mind kind of revolved about around missions and to thinking about and start to consider first of all, given the missions, if you're not given already through the local church, as we are able to support 30 some missionaries at the present time, and this will be our opportunity to consider what if we're not given to give, and then to consider if we are given. Is that the amount the Lord wants us to give, or does the Lord want us to add a couple, a little bit to that? Of course, Lord, I don't want you to take any away, right? But uh, just pray the, when we give to the missionaries, and a lot of times we may ask, say, Pastor, are we looking to take on any missionaries? Well, that's really kind of up to you folks, see what I mean? It's up to all of us to consider what we give uh, through faith promise gives us a good plan, gives us a time of consideration. So I want you to mind to start revolving around those things and thinking about that, what the Lord would have you to do. And then on the end of the month, we'll have the Lord's Supper as we do the fifth Sunday. Well, actually, won't be a fifth Sunday this time, but the way it's called in March, we'll have the Lord's Supper accordingly. quarterly business meeting. And then remember the ladies about the latest uh, Jubilee the information, the cards uh, in the back. So pick those up, take those with you, all right? And then remember, Gary Martin's got a birthday on Friday along with Tim Butler, so you can, you know, let them know about that. All right, let's grab our handles again. And we're going to go to 428. 428, nothing in between. 428. <laughs>
1: soul in the Savior not...
0: So prior to the great white throne judgment is going to be the thousand year millennial reign of Christ. So I want your mind to rewind a little bit bit in prophecy and think back to the millennial reign of Christ. We'll go to Revelation chapter 20 and then we're going to read down through here and we'll get down to the last battle which will be the last doom or the next to last or several Uh, The fifth doom, I should say, and go through there. All right, thank you, Brother James. I appreciate it. I'm going to step away here for a minute. (laughs) All right, the thousand-year millennial reign of Christ, you're right there in Revelation chapter 20. The Bible says I saw an angel come down from heaven having a key to the bottomless pit. That's the abyss, the uttermost part of the departments of hell, if you would, and a great chain in his hand, he laid hold of the dragon, the old serpent, which is the devil, and Satan and bound him, and then we have the first mention here, a thousand years, and cast him in the bottomless pit. That is significant, that's important, because Satan has had free Rome up to this point, and now he's going to be incarcerated, and confined to the bottomless pit, to the lower part of hell, for a thousand years. He will Not be present, he will not be influential, he will not have any part whatsoever in anything that happens during the thousand year millennial reign of Christ. He will be confined to the pit during that time. It says, and shut him up and get a seal upon him that he should deceive the nations no more. You ought to underline that because that is significant. The reason that, that phrase is even mentioned is because at the end of the tribute or the thousand-year millennial reign, will he deceive the nations at that point? So that's the reason that is significant. That's going to come back up here in just a minute. Till the thousand years, there it is mentioned again, should be fulfilled, and after he must be loosed a little season. So there's going to be just a short time right after the thousand years that he's released. The Bible says it saw thrones, and they sat upon them, and judgment was given unto them. And I saw the souls of them that were beheaded for the witness of Jesus, and for the word of God, and which had not worshipped the beast, neither his image, neither had they received his mark upon their foreheads or in their hands. And they lived and reigned. With Christ, what? A thousand years. It's going to be that millennium. But the rest of the dead live not again. There's going to be two resurrections. The first one mentioned here, those that were beheaded for the witness of Jesus will be resurrected. That's the first resurrection. The second one we talked about this morning, which takes us on to the great white throne judgment. That's the reason it's mentioned here. But the rest of the dead live not again until the thousand years were finished. This is the first resurrection. And blessed and holy is he that hath part of the first resurrection. Why? Because that second resurrection is the great white throne judgment. You don't want to be there. On such the second death hath no power, and they shall be priests of God and of Christ, and shall reign with him again a thousand years. Now let's get into this. If you have a Schofield study Bible, it says Satan lose to the doom of Gog and Magog. And when the thousand years are expired, okay, they've got a time limit, thousand years. When they come to a conclusion, the end, Satan shall be loosed out of his prison. What prison? The abyss, the bottomless pit, which he's been confined for a thousand years. And when he is released, in verse 8, and shall go out and deceive the nations. You see why that was important before? That he was confined, that he may not deceive the nations. And then when he's released, he goes to do what? To deceive the nations which are the four corners of the earth, Gog and Magog, to gather them together to battle, the number of whom is as the sand of the sea. And they went up on the breadth of the earth and could pass the camp of the saints about the beloved city. Now, the beloved city is Jerusalem. And fire, what's going to happen to these, That this final revolt against Christ, the Bible says, And fire came down from God out of heaven and devoured them, And the devil that deceived them was cast into the lake of fire and brimstone where the beast and the false prophet are, notice that present tense, and shall be tormented day and night forever and ever. And then the next verse brings us back to where we were this morning with the great white throne judgment. So I want you to think about There's coming a time that we're praying for, thy kingdom come, the the thousand year millennial reign of Christ is known as the kingdom age and the golden age. The term "a 1,000 years occurs six times in Revelation verses 1 through 7. It's found in verse 2, verse 3, 4, 5, 6, and 7. And it is speaking, I believe, of a literal, actual, 1,000 year millennial reign. The millennium, the golden age, the kingdom age when Christ will rule with a rod of iron. Now there's a couple verses that we'd have to travel back because Revelation doesn't really spend much time on the thousand-year millennial reign. It focuses more on the time that is expired and Satan is released. Hey, James, did you help? Oh, they're helping me over there right now. All right, so when that thousand years is expired it spends more time on that than it does... The, the actual what's happening during that thousand years so we have to look back at the Old Testament verses to understand a little bit about what the thousand year millennial reign of Christ when we rule and reign with him what that will be like it tells us way back here in Isaiah if you want to travel back with me usually I write these verses out but this are so long I'm, I got lazy I guess Isaiah chapter 2 And verses uh, 2 to 4 tells us that the Bible says it shall come to pass in the last days that the mountains of the Lord's house shall be established at the top of the mountain and shall be exalted above the hills and all nations shall flow unto it. And many people shall go and say, Come ye, let us go up to the mountain of the Lord and to the house of the God of Jacob. And he will teach us his ways. And we will walk in his path. For out of Zion shall go forth the law and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. Verse 4. Now listen. He shall judge among the nations. It's talking about Christ. And he shall rebuke many people. Those who revolt against him. And they shall beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. Nations shall not lift up sword against nation. Neither... Shall, and I love this verse, shall learn war anymore. So that gives us a little insight that there's something that the millennial people that are coming in, are going to be in that thousand year millennial reign, they're not going to study war. They're not going to know about war. War is going to be, at that time, non existent. Also, Satan's influence upon the nations will be non existent. No one can say during the millennial reign of Christ, that they have been tempted by Satan because Satan is bound in the Bible's pit. He's not influencing them. That's going to be significant here in the end of what the Bible speaks of. Now, if you flip over here in Isaiah and you go to chapter 11, it's going to give us another insight. Now, as you're turning there, I want to give you a couple things. During the millennial reign of Christ, Jerusalem will be the capital, and there will be no more war during that time. We had the war before it, the battle of Armageddon. And then after it, we'll have, if you want to call it a war, more of a revolt that ends uh, with the enemy and those coming against Christ being basically cremated uh, by a fire coming out from heaven. But that's the, the extent of it, that during the millennial reign, during the thousand years, there are, no, there are no wars. There are not rumors of wars or any of those things. It's God's perfect uh, peacetime on the earth. And... When we go to Isaiah chapter 11 in verses 4 through 9, it tells us, it says, But with righteousness shall he judge the poor and reprove the equality for the meek of the earth, and he shall smite the earth with the rod of his mouth, and with the breath of his lips shall he slay the wicked. And righteous shall be the girdle of his loins and faithfulness the girl of his reigns. Verse seven, now this is characteristic of the millennial reign of Christ. The wolf also shall dwell with the lamb and the leopard shall lie down with the kid and the calf and the young lion and the fatling together and little child shall lead them. So the animal kingdom is not going to have the natural ferocity of beasts will be abated. So little children will lead Uh, lambs and and the leopard lie down with the kid, and the calf lay down with the young lion. Verse 7, The cow and the bear shall feed, and their young ones shall lie down together. The lion shall eat straw like the ox, and the suckling child shall play on the hole of an ass, and the weaning child shall put his hand on the copper's den. Okay, verse 9, they shall not hurt nor destroy in all my holy mountain. Now listen, this is characteristic of the kingdom age. For the earth shall be full of the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. All right, so that's a, Isaiah 11, verses 4 through 9. reason I mention this, I'm, I know we've talked about this last Sunday morning, but I want, want you got to get your mind around the millennial reign of Christ before Gog and Magog is going to make sense. So it's going to be, Jerusalem will be the capital, they'll study war no more, and in Isaiah 11, it tells us that the millennial reign will be a time of peace, it will be a time of tranquility, and a couple of Ps you can remember, it'll be a time of peace, it'll be a time of prosperity, and it will be a time of prolonged life. We'll go back to the earlier, we say the big old theological word, pre Nebulian age, way before the flood when men lived like Methuselah, alright, so that people living during this time uh, the natural course of uh, age will be increased, in fact so much the Bible says if during that time someone who dies around 100 years of age will be considered just a child, alright Psalm 72 we won't go into that, it does talk about the millennial reign that Israel will be regathered. We'll see the righteous reign. It talks about the righteous reign of Christ. It talks about the abundance of peace during that time. You know, the Bible says now, when they shall say peace and safety, then sudden destruction cometh upon them, referring to tribulation. But remember, by this point, we're out of the tribulation period. Christ didn't come back. Battle Armageddon's already taken place. And now he rules and reigns, and the Prince of Peace has come. And so there is actual peace. In Ezekiel chapter 20, verses 24 through 38. I'm not going to read there and turn there, but that talks about after the purging. Now follow me here. I want you to think about that seven-year tribulation period, for this makes sense. Seven-year tribulation period, Christ comes back at the end, the second coming, when he touches the earth the second time, that'll be during the battle arm again. The enemy will be destroyed, and at that time you're going to have two categories of people as you do now. People who have not taken the mark of the beast and those who have taken the mark of the beast. Those that have taken the mark of the beast, they'll be the enemy that will come together and battle Armageddon that will be eradicated. But listen, there's still going to be some people that are alive. They're the followers of Christ that will be ushered in to the millennial reign when he establishes his kingdom. So there's going to be some people, if we could use the word deposited from the tribulation period believers, that are still alive. Not everybody's going to die and they're going to start all over again. But you're going to have some people that came through the tribulation, they followed Christ, the Bible says they endured to the end, the same shall be saved, referring to not taking the mark of the beast. And they will be ushered in and deposited over here in the kingdom age when Christ rules and reigns for a thousand years. That is going to be significant also here in a moment when we see that final revolt Against Christ, the millennium be a time of peace, joy, and blessing entire the entire earth. But let's talk about tonight the uh, I guess we could call it the battle. You've heard about the battle of Gog and Magog. There's not a whole lot in the Bible that's said about this. We have three verses in the in the book of the Revelation that we have before us tonight, and then also we have the comparison of Ezekiel 38, which a lot of Bible commentators believe those have similarities but are not referring to the same event they don't coincide they don't line up so they have some characteristics but the, the details are different so all we have here is just a couple verses to go by and I've divided them into three sections we're going to see this battle of Gog and Magog three things we're going to see an expiration then we're going to see a confrontation which would be the last final revolt against Christ before the new heaven and the new earth, Revelation 21 and 22, we're going into eternity, and then there's going to be an annihilation, an annihilation. Let's look at these three things. Number one, what the Bible really puts the emphasis on is not so much the details of the millennial reign that we talked about a few little things here and there as we looked at Isaiah and Ezekiel and some Old Testament prophets Then we learned a little bit about the kingdom of of Christ, that thousand years. But John emphasizes more here in verse 7. He says, when the thousand years are expired. Now the word expired there means to brought to the the goal of the end. It's finished. Now God is has divided up different ages that we'll talk about here in a minute to show man's man's problem. right, A couple things they bring it in that final revolt against the ultimate proof of human depravity. Man has a sinful nature. All right, Some nations will survive the tribulation period and will live into the millennium, as we talked about. They'll be deposited. Now, during the millennial reign, we know that there's got to be a population explosion during that time of people having children. So children, people living, you know... <laughs> A whole lot longer, a child is referred to as a 100 years of age during that time. So children continue to be born to the people of the earth during the millennium. Christ will rule during the millennium with a rod of iron. And mankind eventually will rebel against God's uh, plan and his blessings during that time. Alright, let's go to the expiration. We're seeing that the time has expired, once the literal thousand years has expired, and it's, which means it's been fulfilled and it's been finished, will there be Satan loosed out of the prison? Now I want you to get the picture of this. The angel took Satan, bound him, chained him, and laid hold on him, and confined him to the abyss during the whole kingdom age. He's been locked up for a thousand years. He is not a happy camper, folks. He is angry. He is waiting to be released. He's chopping at the bit to be released because he realizes he has but a little season and he's going to give it. I'm going to tell you something about the devil. The devil never gives up. The devil never gives up. And he's in this bottomless pit, confined, he can't do anything, he has no influence during the kingdom age, he doesn't bother anybody, he's not influencing anybody of any sort. Nobody can say during the kingdom age the devil made me do it, he absolutely did not, because he's not in the picture. So he's bound in there for a thousand years, and boy, can you imagine him being bound for a minute, or an hour, or even a week, or a month, or a year... And to think about how he, he's going and thinking about and rehearsing over and time and time again of how much he hates God, and how much he hates the people of God, and how angry his anger is brewing during this time, how he's just brewing and, and foaming at the mouth to, to be released, and his anticipation that. Waiting there at the door, and that thousand years has expired. Is he's going to be released out of that pit, and he's going to shoot like a bullet out of a gun out of that abyss, and he's going to go right back to the same thing that he's always done—in deceiving nations and deceiving people, and and creating a revolt uh, to people to go against Christ. So there is this expiration. When that time is expired, will Satan be released? In verse seven, and when the thousand years are expired, Satan shall be loosed out of his prison. So he's been thinking, he has been contemplating, and he has a plan that he's going to assemble the nations of the earth during this millennium reign to go against Christ one last time. Next is a confrontation. There will be a confrontation. Look, the Bible says in verse 8, And shall go out to deceive the nations which are in the four corners of the earth, Gog and Magog, to gather them together to battle. This is going to be the last, final revolt of all the Bible. It's going to be short. It's not going to be sweet by no means, but it's going to be short. And it says the number of whom is as the sand of the sea. So that tells us that during that thousand years there's been a population explosion. Many children have been born and during that thousand years for even the ones that go against it. Now, understand something. God's doing this for a purpose and a reason that's greater that he has proven to man that man, no matter what environment they're in, no matter what atmosphere they're in, no matter their background or their environment is the best word, no matter their environment, their surroundings, man, because we have a sin nature, man will still have a sin nature during the millennial reign, those born, those ushered in will still have a sin nature, and because of that, they ultimately fail. Think about back there in the Garden of Eden. Someone say would say, but to be technical, when God placed Adam in the garden and Eve in the garden, He did not place them. They were not in a perfect environment. They were they were in a state of innocence. They had not yet chosen good or evil. They were just innocent, okay? And with one restriction in the garden, don't eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. One restriction is all they had. Everything else, they had free reign, but Eve was deceived by Satan in Genesis chapter 3, and they failed. What did God teach us there? That you can place man in an environment of innocence with one restriction, and man failed then God changes gears and then we come into the time after the garden which is a a time or a dispensation if you will the dispensation of conscience man would be led by his own conscience during that time and what happens the Bible says that man's thoughts were on evil continually that's right before the flood their, their mind and, and their thinking was, all oh, wickedness and vileness and pervertedness. And so guess what? It ended in judgment with Noah's Ark. Man placed in the garden fails with one restriction. Man is placed when he's ruled by his unconscious, and he fails. Well, then we come out on the other side of the Ark. We come into the dispensation of human government. In Genesis chapter 9, man ruled himself. Guess what? Man fails. Ultimately fails when he's setting up and establishing government for himself. That brings us to the next dispensation, one we're all familiar with, is the dispensation of the law. The Old Testament. God gives the law, the Ten Commandments, on Mount Santa of Moses, he comes down and says, God's wrote with his own finger on two tablets, thou shalt not do this and thou shalt not do that. And they should have looked at him and said, wow, we can't keep the law, we need a Savior. But what did they say when the Israelites say, oh, we'll keep those. That was never the purpose. Guess what? Man fails. Being ruled by God's law, man fails. Why? Because it has a sin nature. Well, come over to where we live today, the age of grace, the church age. Guess what? Man fails, ultimately fails. And again, God's going to place man in an environment where Satan is not in the picture of the false prophet and the antichrist are confined in, in, in the lake of fire. They're not, they don't have any part of this. Satan is not influential in this time. And so you have those that come in that appreciate God's kingdom, but during that time children are born unto them and Christ is ruling and we're ruling with him and he's reigning. And you have those children that are born during that time because they have a sin nature that they are just following what their parents told them and they don't truly appreciate what God, the environment that God has provided for them, a perfect peace, free from Satan and free from war and free to uh, with peace and prosperity and, and, and a perfect environment. You think about it. Christ ruling. He reigns. Satan not in the picture. No war. But guess what? When Satan is loosed, he's so deceptive, the Bible says he goes out and he deceives the nations, which are the four corners of the earth. He called, the Bible calls them Gog and Magog. He assembles them, he deceives them, and he's so deceptive that he brings them together in a confrontation as he deceives the nations, and he brings them together as a final revolt against Christ. The problem here is those born during the time of the millennial reign, never faced, listen, those children that are born during the millennial reign, they've never faced temptation of Satan. They haven't faced the temptation. Now he's released, he brings them to this final battle. And the Bible says, the number of whom is as the sand of the sea. So it's a a great population of people that come together during this time that are going against Christ. The Bible says here, as you look at verse number nine, and they went up on the breadth of the earth and compassed the camp of the saints about the beloved city. So God has allowed them to assemble themselves one last time. You think about an army. That is, as the sand of the seashore, they come up to compass, and God allows them to come all to the great city of Jerusalem to surround it for this final revolt. Against them, how deceived they are during this time. The next thing we're going to notice is not only did we see an expiration, we see a confrontation, but there will be an annihilation. There will be an annihilation. (laughs) I don't know why anybody would try to go against God. You're surely to lose, but they tried anyway. We're going to see an annihilation. What happens to those who come up to this battle, this final revolt against? God and Christ during this time of the end of the the millennium known as Gog and Magog. Well, the Bible says, and fire, fire, came down out of heaven and devoured them. I was reading one commentary that really gives us a way to kind of really think about this annihilation is they are all instantly cremated. They're just burned up. Fire comes down from heaven. They're con- totally consumed. They are annihilated. They are, they are instantly eradicated from the face of the earth. And folks, that right there, as you read that, will be the last battle that will ever be fought in human history. That'll be the end of it. That's the last, that's the level. No more battles after that. One final, the devil realizes he had a short time. He goes out. He deceives the nations one final time. Now, before we move on to something else, I want you to understand this. What does it prove? What is God trying to show us? He's trying to show us that it's not, your, it's not the way you were raised. It's not who your parents are. It's not your education or lack of it. It's not your social, socioeconomic status. It, it's none of those things. It's not the neighborhood you grew up, it's not whether or not you have a background in church or not. Man will ultimately, no matter where you place him, you can place him in the garden, you can place him ruled by his own conscience, you can let him rule by his own government, you can put him under law, you can put him under grace, you can put him in this environment where Satan has no influence, Where there's no war and every single solitary time man falls flat on their face. Why? Because they need a savior. Why? Because they have a sin nature. They have a sin nature. People may blame their raising, they may blame their parents or the lack of, they may blame how they grew up, but the ultimate thing is man falls flat on their face because they're a sinner. They're a sinner. Now we see the annihilation. Fire devoured them. Next, in verse number 10, the Bible says that and the devil that deceived them was cast into the lake of fire. This is the ultimate eternal punishment. And brimstone, where the beast and the false prophet are, present tense, that's where they are right now. Or whether it be at this point, not right now. And shall be tormented day and night, forever and ever. During that time, will they be Tormented tormented day and night. Now a couple things about this is I want to offer four reasons why Satan must be loosed after the thousand years. And then we're going to to get out of here because it's been a busy day. (laughs) Alright, number one. To demonstrate that man even under the most favorable circumstances will fall into sin if left to his own choices. Let me read that again. To demonstrate that man, even under the most favorable circumstances, will fall into sin, if left to his own choices. Number two, to demonstrate the foreknowledge of God, who foretells the acts of men as his own acts. All right, God foretells, prophesies about this, talks about this, God's foreknowledge of how man, man, what is in man, and so forth. Number three, to demonstrate the incurable, incurable wickedness of Satan. If you ever wonder, is there any hope for Satan to change his wicked ways? Absolutely not. Because even after being confined after a thousand years, does he come back and deceive the nations and goes right back to what he was doing before? So there is no hope for Satan. Number four, to justify eternal punishment show the unchanging character of wicked people even under divine jurisdiction for a long period of time. You say well I know if Christ ruled and there was peace upon the earth and prosperity and there was plenty of money and plenty of resources and you know there was the curse taken away and we had the lion land down with the lamb and so forth that man would get along and man would uh, be able to take care of things himself. No, absolutely not. Because what happens here, even in that environment, the unchanging character of wicked people under divine jurisdiction for a long period of time still ultimately fails. So that's what God is building—the ultimate argument that about the garden, of Eden, the conscience, human government, law, grace, and so forth and so on—and even in the kingdom age, that no matter what environment man is in, they will always, always fail. Which leads us to one leads us to one conclusion. Christ is the answer. You need a savior. We Amen. need a savior, and then also with that, there will be at this certain point in time when we face God, man will be without excuse. Man will be left without excuse. Would you stand with me tonight? We talked about God and may God. We see the exploration, the confrontation, and then the annihilation. Not a whole lot said about it. But hey, listen, man fails. So you may be blaming tonight your environment, circumstances in your life that we blame. But the truth is we're all responsible for our own actions. And we ultimately fail because we have a a sin nature. So tonight, maybe you would like to come time of invitation. you'd like to come and kneel and just pray whatever the Lord spoke to your heart about tonight. What's the conclusion that we come out of this? You said, well, maybe if I was brought up better. No. Mm-hmm. If I had a better environment, maybe a little more money. Maybe this. No. None of those things. The Bible says, thou art inexcusable, oh man. We're left with that excuse. Be hey, the Savior. Do you know him tonight? Do you know him as Savior? There's been a time and point in your life you've trusted, you've believed on him. Are you friend or foe when it comes to Christ? Are you one of his or are you one of saints? The Bible talks about that. We're either for Christ or we're the Child of the devil, the Bible talks about. One way or the other. There's heaven or hell, there's Jesus or the devil. Life, death, love or hate.